August 30th, Sunday night. It is the Quarantine Podcast here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network. Of course, we are brought to you by our good friends at Mechdyne. Mechdyne Corporation, Brent, they are located in the uh, grand city of Marshalltown, Iowa, but they span throughout the entire world. And um, really good really good people over there at Met Dime. We appreciate them sponsoring the Williams Bloom Quarantine Podcast. Now, they, uh, I told you last week about the big job opportunity, Bloom, the AV Systems Engineer. Yeah. You are not qualified for this. I am not qualified for this, but I'm guessing many in the audience probably are. Here's what I like about MechDime. They're like, hey, we need to be more diverse. So if you're a female, if you are a person of color and you uh, have an engineering degree or you're interested in this, I like the fact that MechDyne's like, yeah, we need to be more diverse. And they're actively looking to be every single day. And they encourage you to apply at MechDyne.com and the careers page. Spell that again. M-E-C-H-D-Y-N-E.com. Good people. Good people. Good organization. The um, Tonight's podcast is uh, loaded. Uh, we've got more. We've got another chaotic week in the Big Ten. I, Ch- I, chaotic week in the world. Yeah, oh, slow down a little bit. This last week was, oh, man, alive. Um, the, I, I, I thought it was really interesting that we got, like, volleyball and soccer schedules. From the Big 12. Yeah, I did I was not anticipating yeah. These, that. Like, this didn't get nearly enough play. No. So I want to talk about that. And um, our favorite publication here on the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network, Sportico, has a fascinating piece from Johnny Wall Street this week about football recruiting that I want to touch on. Of course, the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is fueled by Cody Road. And tonight, Bloom and I are sipping on a barrel old-fashioned. What they do over in our friends at the Mississippi River Distilling Company, they put an old-fashioned in a bottle, and they just sell it to you. It's unbelievable. And I was talking to Ryan from over there. This is one of their top sellers right now. People are buying this off the shelf. I can see why. Old fashions are what? Got me into bourbon to start with. Yeah, because it's mixed. It's not the straight stuff that I like to do. It's so, an old-fashioned, for those who don't know, is at least how they make it here. It is, let me get the exact ingredients, whiskey, sugar, bitters, and citrus. And this tastes like, literally, what you'd get at the bar. Yes. And the nice thing is, if you're new to whiskey, bourbon, etc., this had this has more of a taste of a mixed drink, clearly, and um, it's a good way to intro into it. And it's super smooth, and the alcohol percentage is only is only thirty five percent. There so you go. It's um, and it's really good. I got a review uh, from um, the greatest receiver in the history of Iowa State athletics, Todd Blythe. Just yeah, ask him about it. Apparently, um, Todd Blythe um, took down a bottle of the uh, old fashioned. Well, he said he was moving. Yeah, it was, I'm sure he had a rough week. That's a good moving moving drink. By the way, real quick plug, the Meyer to Blythe podcast oh, is fantastic. Really, really fan, yeah, if fantastic. You guys have, right word. If you haven't made that a part of your week yet, I highly encourage you to do it. Um, the Actually, our friends at Cody Road are sponsoring that podcast this year. But it is fantastic. Uh, those guys, we went to college with them. I, I've known Brett forever. I used to play. Like, and I knew... Todd, yeah, you knew Todd. Yeah. Todd dunked on me in eighth grade. <laughs> you know what's funny? He won't remember so, that because I was just a five. Brett and I competed. I, I competed with Brett, so I had a. I was an early, like I had armpit hair in like fifth grade. Okay, <laughs> something you still brag about. And so I was like way taller than ever. Like we used to play Atlantic and Brett and Tom Schmeling and all them boys a lot. Schmeling's another one, right? And then like. We could always like compete with them. <laughs> they beat us, but we were. It was always like a game, yeah. Like in these AAU tournaments yep. and stuff. And then one year, like they all hit puberty, and we got run out of the freaking gym. <laughs> and I always had to guard Meyer. Like that was always my. And like I, I couldn't even. You want to talk about breaking ankles and stuff? I, I could not guard him. I, it was not possible. All of a sudden, like he was just like. 
He was like six foot three, and yep, yep. <laughs> he was a monster. He was that, oh, he, what an incredible athlete. And then for me, it was Indianola was always the. I mean, they were the legends in my youth yeah. world. So I was on the the Dowling AAU program, um, going up, and so we would play Indianola, and they had Todd. <laughs> um, Todd's like Joe, six foot tall. He was always yeah. tall. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it was Joe Hunt. Todd, correct me if I'm wrong. And then uh, point guard was Baker, and they just, man, they ran us out of the gym yeah. at one point. And, and Todd Todd was dunking, I'm pretty sure. Oh, yeah. uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Todd. But I think it <laughs> He'll was... tell you. Because he dunked on me as either 8th or ninth grade. <laughs> I mean, on me. I mean, I, was, I wasn't going to take a charge. No, I, I made a business not. decision at an early age. <laughs> and But he was... Man, he was a, clearly from the get-go. Um, not surprising he turned out to be one of the best receivers in Iowa State history. Well, I think he's the best. Yeah, I think I, that'd be a I, good summer series podcast. So, I mean... Honestly. It's so, him, Lazard, and Hakeem, right? Man, yeah. I mean, okay, so like in their prime... Lane like, would have an argument. I love yeah. Lane. I think Lane put up some really good I numbers too. Lane put up great numbers, but if we're like, okay, you, 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 you can have any of these guys as your number one receiver, who would you pick? I... Probably Hakeem, right? Yeah, but, Liz, but I don't like, know. Allen was, but Todd, I, Todd was great too. That's, I, I would I take think those are your. I three. would take Todd over Allen. To me, it comes down to Todd and Hakeem. Hakeem more explosive. Todd more consistent. Todd didn't drop the ball like Hakeem. Still to the end, like yeah. had drop. He wasn't a great route runner. He was just this athletic like specimen. Um, His, remember the Blythe fade in the oh, corner of the end zone? It was just like you knew what was happening. The, the single best game by a receiver was definitely A&M. Blythe against A&M. Yeah. I mean, that he was like four touchdowns, 200-something yards. Do you remember yards. what you were doing during that game? I do. Everybody does, yeah. I think. Yeah. Because it was a very kind of came out of nowhere. They just destroyed him. We watched the game. 42-14, if I yeah. remember right. We watched the game. It was the same day that Bo Pointy did the um, cutthroat sign against <laughs> Oklahoma. We watched the we watched games that day in Ryan Lurie's apartment. And then we went up to Legends. Nice. Remember Legends? Oh, do I? Yeah. And we watched games in, in those two spots all day. But we, like the... It was such a shock to. I mean, we thought Iowa State could win good. that day, right? Yeah, right. Not like that. No. And Brett was really good that day. Oh, I mean, Brett, Brett threw for like three fifty. But no, I, that's a good conversation. I think, I think it is those top three. Um, I think Hakeem's twenty eighteen season was the best of a single season. Yeah. I mean, he was, but Allen's consistency through four years, I think, has to be considered. Same no with doubt. Todd. Todd gets penalized because of the Chiswick era. I mean, if if he has, it, yeah, his first two years were better than any of those uh, others. First so does two years. so does Brett. Like if Same we did with this Brett. with quarterbacks, yeah. Like I'm very biased to Myron Blythe. Yes, because like they kind of got hosed with the yeah. Chizikera. At the end, like that wasn't on them. No. They were still really good players. You know, like this. Same with I'm a little like defensive for our nods because like yeah. how many coordinators and quarterbacks? Oh, go, brutal. Like it was a total. Right. You know, total mess for those guys. So I'm very defensive of Myron Blythe, not only because they're my buddies, but because that 2005 they, team, you know, we've talked about it a yep. lot. Even 2006, they could score. They like, could. Yep. Man, they... And they never really had great offensive lines great. either. Nope. And then Stevie was hurt a lot. Stevie I mean, was really good, but again, he didn't ever have any holes. Yep. Like, um, but that one game, I think that... They had a stretch there. It was A and M, Oklahoma State, K State, and there's maybe one more in there. Or they just was as dominant of stretch as Iowa State's had. I mean, they were they they beat all those teams. I think it was 24 plus in conference, and when they got clicking, they were really good. So I'm glad to have those guys a lot yeah. smarter than us two slappies. It'll be really good. They've um and they've been doing a lot of this uh, perspective from Todd. Being a coach on Mitch Moore's right. staff at Roosevelt, Ernst Bruns on that staff too. There's a lot of Cyclone flair going on at Roosevelt. They had a competitive game Friday oh, night. That so was much fun. fun. That was I, fun. I I'm not. I don't even hide it. I'm a I'm a rough rider. 
all the teams in Des Moines and in the Metro. That's my team, man. And they That's my team. Valley was no, is, is number one in the state, and that was a ball game in Ro- the fourth quarter. Roosevelt proved at the very least they can play yeah. with anybody. How cool was it just to watch football, though? <sighs> man. It felt so kind of normal there. We had a blast watching that. The <laughs> yeah. Austin P Central, Central Arkansas. Bloom, Bloom came over on Saturday night, and the, the kids were – you know, rummaging around the house. And we were like locked actively in. jacked up and locked into Austin P in Central Arkansas. You made a great point. It feels like bowl season. It felt because there was no, there was, it, there were fans there, which was nice. There were a few. There's like 2,000, two <laughs> I think. That's but enough. It, fe- it felt like the, the Bahamas Bowl. Yeah. Where you don't really have a rooting, you don't know anything about these teams, but you take a shot at but one of them. But you're gambling on somebody. And. <laughs> And then you're in, yeah. And uh, the fans kind of there. Bloom and I were both high on Central Arkansas for what it's worth. <laughs> and Heavy. Then, I mean, five units. And the way it ended, I was up. My wife's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Got to see how this one plays out." Yeah. And 11:45, uh, uh, late touchdown by Central Arkansas. Roll Tigers. Bears. Bears. <laughs> <laughs> they play next week too. <laughs> they play like Memphis or they play I, somebody good or like UAB or they have like a legit game. Right. We'll get into the power five stuff, but it's hilarious what they did. I mean, their whole conference isn't playing. <laughs> They're, they, they went on their own and scheduled nine games. It's, it's, it's fantastic. Crazy. It's so, fantastic. But hey, it felt kind of like a football game on Saturday night. All right. Um, let's get to the news of the week. Uh, we are presented as always by our friends at Mechdyne. Volleyball and soccer set their schedules this week, Bloom. Now, the this is a doubleheader format. The yeah. the, the press for, uh, for volleyball. For volleyball, yeah, 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 yeah. For volleyball, and but my, but my mind got to work, and, and I'm like, why couldn't this work for basketball? Because yep. what they're doing, it's like, okay, Iowa State will fly to TCU, and on a Saturday they'll play, and then on a Sunday they'll play. You you knock out an 18 game schedule. Why couldn't that work for men's and women's basketball? Uh, I think it would. Is this a blueprint? To me, it's a more sustainable. I I think that makes more sense than bubbling for three weeks in Kansas City. Right. The weird thing is, um, what does the balance of the schedules look like then? Correct. Because um, that gets kind of sideways. What, what separates the who has to go to Kansas twice? Twice, and who doesn't get them for a return game? Um, that they, because you get, so it's basically like a normal big 10 schedule. Yeah. The, so I, but I think, I think this could be an indicator a little bit of, you may not see the double headers for basketball, but I think what you could see is those travel partners where let's say you, um, you know, on a Saturday you'll go play Kansas and then on the Monday you play K state. And so while you're already on the road, it's just a bus trip. You don't have to come back. That's a good point. And then go. I mean, they may try and re. Now the the issue is West Virginia doesn't have a travel partner at all, and Texas. Yeah, but Texas, they're still cashing the checks. So they I don't are feel bad. Texas way on the. I mean, so you don't in Iowa State. What would you do with them? So it doesn't. It's not perfect, but I absolutely think you have to get creative in scheduling to try. You cannot have these Wednesday, Saturday, flyback fly back down. I don't think that is quite going to work um, with the way that COVID might be. Here's how I read into this is it's the same decision makers. Yeah. will make the decision for basketball who made this for volleyball. So are we getting a glimpse into their head and how they're thinking about this? I, it's, I, th- there's something to this for sure. And uh, the fact that they're only playing once a weekend you know, they're not playing Tuesday and then Saturdays. It would struck struck me as well that they're trying to limit the amount of trips here, and this this would do it. And we'll see because basketball, we both agreed last week, it's going to happen in some capacity. So totally agree. Um, I, but I, yeah, I mean, they, these are things that now, now that football is relatively football is happening. What's next for basketball, and and when does it start? You saw college basketball as a whole. I mean, the NCAA is more involved in basketball than they are in football. And so they came out last week with a couple dates of when basketball might start. One of them was like November 29th, which was quicker than you've heard before. I've kind of heard a January one date tossed around. So we'll see, is it going to be conference only? 
do you have a, maybe a non-conference portion in there? Maybe that non-conference bubble is where that comes in as the bubble portion during break. So you know if they get if they knock out non-conference basketball, ESPN's the big loser. I mean, they have so much money dumped into these tournaments across the country. Um, I, I don't know if the NCAA cares about that or whatever. I'm just yeah. kind of thinking through it in my head. I mean, they own all of those tournaments. Yeah, like the same with the Maui, bowl games. Yep, for sure. Now I read a piece in the Athletic as we transition into a football conversation here about how. There's a good chance we talked about bowl games last year. I mean, you could have like an 0 and 10 team in a bowl game this year. If it gets to the point where they're going to hold them all. Yes. And that again, guys, you have to remember ESPN owns these games. Right. And then they work with these local partners Sponsors. and did you read that piece in the I athletic? Did, I did not. You, you you should. It was a Stuart Mandel piece, so, and so would they relax the qualification rules? There won't be any. Okay, so it's kind of a they, the the for all. actual quote from the guy in there. I don't know what, who he was. What it, he basically said: Hey, we're not going to worry about it this year. We're going to give a grade A opportunity to all these kids in a really weird. Time. I mean, that paraphrasing what he said. Yeah, so the bowl games make money, like you referenced, off of TV. Fans are one thing, but they don't need fans to operate. They get yeah. enough of a yeah. check from The Bahamas ESPN. Bowl is not driven off of the fans. Correct. So I think I think they've, if that's what uh, it comes we, down to. We keep to, shitting on the Bahamas Bowl. Well, <laughs> it's the easy one. What, it, like the Birmingham it, Bowl. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of them. It, uh, I mean, I've just played in a couple New less than stellar bowl. games over the years. I, but yeah, I think there will be bowl games. Definitely the New Year's Six. Oh, that will happen. That's happening, and then I, and they, but the fan situation is still so much up in the air, um, and will be determined on how the regular season goes. All right, um, Iowa State with week one approaching. I want to talk about um, what do we think now about fans? Uh, I, I don't even want to say anything. I think we'll. I think we might get a press release of some sort on. Is tomorrow? Is Monday the first day of September? Uh, Tuesday is Tuesday. I, I would be surprised if we if we know anything after I think it'll be Tuesday would be my guess. Yeah. As we start now, the one thing I'm starting to hear and this really shouldn't be a surprise to us after what we've seen with West Virginia. Yeah. I'm starting to hear that there might be a decision made for the September twelfth game that doesn't necessarily it have an effect rest. on the rest. Right. The The numbers that came out COVID-wise in the state of Iowa last week were not good if you're going to say, hey, let's bring 30,000 people into Jack Trice Stadium. Correct. I'll say this. I think Iowa State will be as aggressive as it possibly can. I think, I think they've proven that this whole time. They were going to try and be aggressive with the COVID stuff, which for what it's worth, I'm all for. Sure. Uh, just to editorialize my opinion there. You think it should be left up to the individual persons? Yeah, I, I, I do. I yeah, think. What would you, where would you cap it, though? I mean, it, 50% I, is the most. Yeah, like, I, I think that that's the most that you can realistically. But I, I wouldn't be surprised after the numbers last week if they're like, okay, we're not going to have any fans for September 12th. We're going to reassess at that time. For the next home game, which isn't until October. Yeah, October 3rd. Yes. What do you think about that? that that's There's something to that. Uh, so just for people that may be out of state and listen to this, um, the numbers in Story County and Johnston County and Des Moines, less so, were not great COVID-wise. In fact, if you look at the national uh, publications from a per capita basis, Story County and Johnson County were two of the worst in the country last week. We understand Man, why. I mean, it, look, look. Do we our colleges just drink that much more than the others? No, I just think there's not that many that are fully like on board in an open state, and there's a lot of students. I mean, Iowa State's one of the largest schools that's open right now. I mean, there's yeah. thirty. I don't know if the, the enrollment will come out tomorrow. I mean, I knew that the numbers would spike. Like, yeah, we talked about that. Like anybody knew that, but like, it seems kind of like. It's strange. Shocking that, to me that 
the it's, two Iowa. It's right. No, I totally. And then you and I have it's like, had an uptick. What about Ole Miss? Well, Alabama's had over a thousand. You know what I mean, though? Like, totally I mean, there's good. other colleges that are. It does seem a little bit weird. That, or is it our testing? Like, what, are we doing something different? Like, I don't know. Or do we just drink a lot more? I, I, I all the factors there. Yeah, I, I think it was a pretty laissez-faire approach at Iowa State, man. I mean, honestly, I I was approached in general as a state, and the Regents Institution has, has reflected that. It's been pretty laissez-faire of like, okay, we're going to leave it up to the students. And then both Iowa and Iowa State have now come down pretty hard, and now the bars are closed on the students, whether that's right or not. But point being, the numbers are up. It's gonna, I wish I had stock in those gas stations right now. <laughs> Jeez. Hy-Vee liquor store stock. <laughs> good point. God, they're killing it. Numbers are up. Um you can also keep in mind, West Virginia has said no fans for the first game. Mm-hmm. So they've already been on record saying we're not going to have any fans. Oklahoma has kind of come out with the whole 25% thing. I think generally 25% will be the standard across the Big 12. I do too. But, Chris, the issue here I see, I'm just trying to think logistics. If you go no fans for this game and then you'll reassess for conference, well, the reason why the 25% thing would work here is you can evenly split up six games in three and three. If you only have five, somebody gets left out. Um, that's a season ticket holder. So you can't just go two mm. and three. So you mean so you, maybe we maybe it's dropped twenty five, not no fans. Yeah. So I would yeah. uh, that that's that's where I'm coming from. It's like, well, then you start talking about logistics of yeah. of how it, that would work. For what it's worth, guys, we don't know. Yeah, like I we're not no we're at, we're not like handing around at something. I just. I'm just using critical thinking to see what West Virginia did because at first I thought the Big 12 was going to try and kind of work in unison, but that doesn't really make sense either. With different areas of the country, like you have different things going. I don't think that it should be a blanket. I mean, if, if they want to have fans in, um, you know, Kansas, like Kansas, Kansas, they don't have fans anyways. Right. Like in Manhattan, Kansas, like, oh, I, I don't know. It's, um, it's so hard to tell. And again, I don't know who's making the final decision. If it comes down to... Is it President Winterstein and Jamie? If that's the case, I I think they would be aggressive to a point, and I think I think we land on twenty five percent for the first game or the first just, game. Okay, I think it's pretty much in general. Okay, we'll see. I don't know. My, There's no the, way to know all, until we hear. All I I kind of was like, uh, that's when those numbers came out last week. I'm like, that's going to be a lot harder for them to invite people to campus. It will. And maybe from the whole public perception situation, they Personally, may go zero. I think the whole thing is off of that, like more so than reality. But now I'm starting to get into other aspects of this. Yeah. But like, I, I just, it's outdoors. I don't, here's my thing. My mom and dad, I, I've used them as an example a couple times on this. They're in their 60s. They're like, ah, we'll just take it off this year. Watch the games on TV. I think most rational people who are in a bad, you know, demographic when it comes to getting this virus, I think most of those people are going to stay away. Am I giving people too much credit? No, I think we're far enough along here where people understand. I mean, I I think that that's why the death rate continues to drop because I think, like, severe diabetics are like, hey, I shouldn't be going out to a bar and not wearing a mask and gallivanting around with the entire city. Like, I... We're in March. We didn't know. Right. No, that's, that's true. And, and if you think about it, 25% is 15,000 people. You which can space that out. It's, that's a, right. In and, a giant stadium. And how many people are in Ames daily? Yeah. If, I mean, an extra 15, you can't tailgate. Maybe I'm giving people too much credit here, and they're going to be, you have to wear masks. Yeah, they're have requiring to wear masks that. The whole time. Um, I guess I don't know what that, why that's a, a lot different than a, just a regular. Saturday on Duff Avenue. Brent, I'm watching these dirt races all over the country. And they're packing 5,000 people into these rinky-dink bleachers. Nobody's wearing a mask. Half of them are drunk. You know, like, but it all comes down. Well, nobody's paying attention to that because it's not a high-profile yeah, thing. For sure. And it could you? And would you be able to tie an outbreak to a football game? I don't know if you could. Like, there's enough of it out there no, now. Like, can you I don't, just tie it to... I don't think you could because... Like, how do I, okay, let's say, well, this lady got it and she thinks, but yeah, but did you go to work that week? Right. You know, did, I mean, there's so. So there's like, not a liability again, issue, like, I think, for Just going State. from my 
experience with the virus. I have no idea how I got it still. Yeah. And I wasn't really doing anything other than going like to work. And from what we've, again, the general knowledge consensus now is outdoors is good, better than being indoors. And you're in this wide open area at 25% with masks on. Like, I think that seems about as as safe as you can get. Just two things that just have boggled my mind this whole time. How can we have thousands of students just walking around campus, <laughs> living in dorm and we're like, that's okay, but we can't play football, and we can't have 15,000 people in a 60,000 people stadium. That part plays a factor. And two, like, state-wise, like, again, like, Knoxville, and I'm just referencing dirt racing because I, like, immersed in that culture. The These facilities are so much less prepared for something like this than Kinnick stadium or Jack Tri stadium, you know, yeah. like I did. Uh, yeah. But I, long story short, we will know by next quarantine podcast. We will. That's a good way we'll to probably end. know game times and TV situation for that first game. Yeah, as This well. is going to be an eventful week. I think that, I think that you're right. Okay. I want to talk about um, the effect that this is all having on football recruiting. This is uh this is fascinating, and we will do that when we return. Uh oh oh oh, first of all, before we do that, we got to thank our friends at the Franklin Barbershop. Of course, your uh, your cut doing all right. It's it's hanging in there, yeah. Yeah. It's, One thing I've really it's really good in Zoom meetings this week. Were you the? Uh, as my grandmother used to put it, the bell of the ball. Always. People said, you get a haircut? I did. Yeah. Where'd you get it? <laughs> Franklin Barbershop. It's funny you ask that. <laughs> Honestly, no. Zoom, top up, like you get a it's nice haircut. It's actually more important you than get ever a nice now. Haircut. Yeah. Like you can never, this is one thing I've learned. I don't know where any of my real clothes are now <laughs> because I wear these like loose Under Armour shorts and a Cyclone Fanatic t-shirt like every day. The other day I actually had a real meeting that I had to actually put real clothes on for. Yeah. But the point being, as long as your hair is done, yeah. that's all that people I've been can z- see. Zoom meetings, Microsoft Teams. If you want to look, I mean, people people don't know what, what you got from the belt down, but they can see the haircut. <laughs> it's best to keep it that way. <laughs> You're a married man. The uh, Franklin Barbershop, find them in, in Beaverdale. The, uh, the appointment process is super simple now, too. Check them out today and tell them, please, that they're, that your friends at Cyclone Fanatic sent you. All right. Um, we'll be back with more right after this. All right. Welcome back. Williamson Bloom Quarantine Podcast. We are presented, as always, by our friends at Mechdyne. Um, the patrons of the week, the super patrons of the week, you know them very well. I do. It's uh, my mom and dad. Oh, Big time. Mike and Renee Williams. God bless them. My mom and dad are, now they're not the biggest Cyclone fans in the world. They I grew up an Iowa fan, so that, you know, came around at some point. But you got to be a really big damn fan to drive as far as they drive for every freaking basketball game. Yeah, men's like and women's do. basketball included. Yeah. And um, they it took them a while to become Iowa State fans. But then um, when 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 my buddy um, Adam Carper came and played, it was like supernatural for them to, because he basically like grew up at our house, like we were right. inseparable as kids. Right. And uh, they just, they're locked in now. And they, they come up for every party. They come to, they're, they've become huge women's basketball fans. Like they watch every game. Every time and, I see your dad, he's like, so we're, yeah, this uh, this, this yeah. point guard from Wisconsin. Well, what this, do you think? Yeah, this Aubrey Jones. Right. I, mean, she's, I hear she's going to be better than Ashley. You know what? Uh, I don't know if they'll be listening to this, but they'll listen for whatever reason. And it it still means a lot to me when I I so I moved down. Uh, I, my first job out of college was at Channel Five with Walters. I was there for like four months. It was a really crappy job, not because of John, just the position. But You're the doing new like graphics. And I was stuff, right? I was the editing editing the nightly newscast, which is way worse than it sounds. Um, 
a, that is a bad job. Yeah. I, I know I know enough about that to be uh, dangerous, and that's a bad job. So my job consists of filing the same stories over and over again, uh, editing wise, and then running the teleprompter. Horrible. But so just Chris got helped me out. Um, got me a job at KMA in Shenandoah. Um, it was yep. sep- September of 2007. And I had never lived really anywhere outside of Des Moines. I was like, what What have I done? <laughs> Remember and that we, first night I took you first, out to the Emerald Isle? And we the, go, yeah. yeah, we go to this bar <laughs> and this, I'm not exaggerating. So I'm from suburban Des Moines. Yes. Like uh-huh. totally, I fit the profile. And I, I, I'm in this small town bar and some guy's literally carrying, I think it was a shotgun. Yeah, it was. He'd been out hunting. At, at yeah, and he's sitting at the bar, and I look at it like I have seen three heads. I was like, "What is going on?" we that was at the Depot Deli. The Depot Deli, yeah, yeah. So I was I was out of my element for a long, long that, time. That actually happens a lot down there. <laughs> I'm sure. Well, I, I learned. I, I yeah. eventually became one with the. If people. it's a shotgun, it's fine. If the guy has like a handgun, then it's a different. Then you. But I yeah. I had known you fairly well, but not not. <laughs> You didn't Very know where well. I came from. I didn't from. know where you came from. And then I really got a good appreciation. And then I think the next week we had dinner at your parents and, and th- your mom and dad are like, just so you know, we're going to treat you like our second son. And it meant a lot to me because like I, yeah. I was, I was very homesick at the time yeah. and they always have looked out for me uh, oh, for whatever you, reason. And it's, they are as genuine as genuine can people just salt of the earth people. I, um, you could, fr- you come from good stock. As no, as they, they're the best. I, I'm so lucky. Like the, uh, that's the one thing this year, like, you know, I've told you, I've kind of comp comp, you know, I'm kind of tossing around just covering games from home. Yep. Like I, it's not the same without seeing my old man and my mom, you know what I mean? Well, like you have a it, good, uh, you know, weekly tradition. Yeah. Like, and I, I can't go and do my pork thing where we're right. going around and like, I, we don't have our pregame show out there. And like, I just like, it's not the same without my mom and dad. Like yep. it's, it's weird, but no, I love them so much. They, they're the perfect like role models. My parents are really blue collar people. Uh, neither one of them came from much, but they, um, you know, it's cool. I, I don't think they'll mind me telling, but they, you know, modest salaries, you know, we weren't rich growing up. We weren't sure. poor, sure, but we weren't rich. And they just bought themselves. They paid cash for a condo at the Lake of the Ozarks so in their cool. retirement. And like, how awesome is that? Like, that's the American dream, right? That you work your ass off and don't complain and just put your head down and go. And nobody wants to hear you, bitch, because somebody always has it worse. And like, and then you get to a certain point and you do whatever the hell you want. And like, that's them. And like, that's like the perfect role model, right? Yep. And kind of what you was encouraging to hear in 2020. Yeah. You know, that's still, that part of America is still out there. Yeah. Which, I'm actually going to cool. go and see their new place this week. Oh, fantastic. For, for Labor Day. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, so. they are the best. So, yeah. um, fitting, fitting to be the patrons of the week. They're, they very deserving. They, they've kept me going through this deal. There's some tough times too. So they're, they're the best. Thank you. Love you, mom and dad. Uh, Sportico. God, we didn't even know what this was they like two months ago. Just, Jetted onto the scene like Luka Doncic. It's a phenomenal it's publication, though. I read it daily. Like it, it's part of my daily prep for everything that I do. And um, I've been wondering about this, about how all this would impact football recruiting. Yeah, because we didn't have camps. Now, right now, we're not at the point where I think it's impacting much because schools recruit so far ahead of time because of the early signing period. Right. Um, Sportico did an in-depth piece on the future of football recruiting after the coronavirus pandemic. And I want to read you just a little bit, Bloom, and then let you kind of give a response, and then we can talk about it. Now, they they went basically one-on-one with apparently the University of Arizona. They have what's called a chief of staff okay. of their football program, Dennis Pullian. Now, that's a familiar football name. Well, Bill Pullian was the old GM yeah, for the Colts. So I don't know if there's relative. any relative there okay. or not. Chief of staff, though. That's an interesting um, Sportico writes this. The fear of losing the opportunity to play at the school of their choice is forcing, quote, even the elite players 
who would typically wait until December, January, or February to make a decision to commit earlier than they otherwise would. Because you know there really isn't an opportunity for them to go visit anywhere. If they feel strongly about a school, there's really no reason to waste any time uh, committing. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you think about this, so there's a couple of of trickle-down things here. Um, A lot of times you're going to get guys who will make a summer commitment who will then explore. Yeah, they'll teeter around and they'll back out. The big dogs will come in. I obviously just had one of those. Yes. Decommit and commit the, to Texas. With the quarterback. Yep. Correct. Um the the which I think there was I think the fact that the Deakers kid and the Bowman kid are both there too probably plays into that. Yeah. Those are both I mean, Iowa State really likes both of those kids. And a lot of recruiting is look at the depth charts too. Now I mean, I, I don't know enough about the 2021 kid who decommitted. Same. I have no idea how good he is, but there's no way that he doesn't factor that in. Right. And I know Tom Herman well enough to know that that was pointed out he to was, him. He was voicing the uh, <laughs> yeah, the depth chart concerns. Um, so the, the thought here is, you know who will benefit the most from this? Are like group of five schools. Because you're going to have a lot of guys who are like late bloomers who normally would get the big schools to swoop in on them late. Right. Well, the big schools are going to be full. Yeah, for a uh, couple of reasons. And, and so there's going to be a lot of these classes, like your your group of five and even your low lower tier power five, which I think Iowa State would fit into. If you're a good talent evaluator. You're in a good spot. You can capitalize off of this. I'll be, yeah, because now basically, is there more to it? Um, you're you're yeah. recruiting off of of sophomore, Correct. junior film, and and um, that's about it. Like that's that you don't have them in camp. You don't really get to evaluate them in person, and so you're really going off their huddle film or whatever tape they send. Yeah. So the prediction here is that there's going to be a plethora of people entering the transfer portal yeah. uh, in December of 2021 because you take lot, flyers on kids, but you're a lot wrong. of these coaches are going to totally whiff because their process of acquiring talent is so far off. And I would also throw into it. Now this isn't part of the Sportico piece, but this is my own uh, critical Wild thinking West. here is like the scholarship situation, right? You know, we, we're at a point where, I mean, yeah, Brock Purdy's worth the extra $50,000, but is the fourth string linebacker who never developed. So they're, they're saying like, they're, and, I, and I know this to be a fact, these strength and conditioning coaches and these, these position coaches, they can tell like when a kid gets on campus, if he doesn't have it, yep. it's pretty evident in the first semester. If, they, yep. if you just know they're not going to be able to make it, you push them out the door. The prediction here, Brent, is that in December of 2021 will be the highest rate of the transfer portal in the history of college football. Yeah, and I think you'll see that from a couple fronts. You'll see some of the older kids that the schools don't want for an extra year because they get that extra year. And you get the new kids that aren't a good fit or were a miss in recruiting that are encouraged to go as well. I think this is crazy for recruiting because with the scholarship or with the the clock being frozen, I think these freshman classes, upcoming freshman classes, are going to be smaller because you don't want. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Maybe this is where this is where I think the big schools may actually have an advantage. They can still sign the full boat, yes, of players and then filter out who's going to be good and who's going to stay and who's going to who has to go. Whereas these more smaller schools with the smaller budgets have to be more selective of. Do we want to risk? Uh, a full tuition scholarship on this person when we already have, you know, a full compliment over here. And so you're, it's a, and because of that, I agree with them. Well, you're going to have to commit early mm-hmm. because there's a fear that the, those scholarships will, run out of right, spots. There won't be any spots. And then you. you're going to have to go to Boise. Right. Or, and this will be used as a, as a tactic by these schools of, Hey, we don't have the same amount of scholarships we used to have. Commit to me now 
So I can guarantee, and it's kind of shady, but we know this happens. And um, for those fringe prospects that are holding out for that bigger offer, maybe you don't take it because you want to be guaranteed a spot somewhere. And so that just pushes up the clock even further for these kids to commit. And if they have no way to prove themselves otherwise, it's tough to garner more interest from the big dogs. Now, the other part that could happen, and I would say they've seen this now because they have a reputation as good talent evaluators. If Iowa State offers a kid from, let's say, Ohio, that might alert the Big Ten schools over there to say, oh, well, Iowa State's trying to creep in here. This kid must have something that we didn't see. Let's take a closer look at and make some more calls about Mm -hmm. him. And so, you know, there's a two-way street of, you know, if you offer him early, that's great, but it also might encourage the the other schools to, to swoop in that are local. So many factors yeah it's it's pretty fascinating stuff i'm i'm anxious to see i i also want to see how it plays out not really in like i let's say like let's do talk about men's basketball let's use a prospect like jalen coleman lands as an example okay he is old for he is old you know for the college game let's say the ncaa freezes his eligibility much like we've seen in the fall sports yep would a guy like that even entertain coming back? Vice versa. If you're Iowa State, if you're Bill Finley, and um, say they're not going to freeze eligibility, but you're going to get a, I don't know, a 12-game regular yeah. season with an NCAA tournament. Yeah. Would you play Kristen Scott, who's had injuries, and Man. would you wait? Would you would you use Ashley Jones? When she, they have red shirts. That they could use. That's what I'm saying. Like, I I don't know. And I think that that's another aspect to look forward to in some of these sports. Because the women's game isn't like, oh, I want to get to the league. Right. It's a totally different feel. There's been a couple, but not many. You could say, hey, you guys get your masters. And then you can get to the league. Yeah, and you don't get a cheap 10-game season that that ruins your ability. Now, my guess is that the clock's going to get frozen. For them, too? That would be my guess. But then you just, I mean, the costs keep adding up. Which maybe the NCAA doesn't care because it doesn't really impact them. They're not the one paying the bills for these scholarships. But yeah, I mean, so many decisions that will be made in the next three months that will impact years down the road. And the, these coaches are kind of flying blind of they have to make decisions on who they're recruiting, who they're letting go, all in this weird atmosphere too. So I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I don't think I would. I think if I have a 12-game season, and I've got a player that wants to stick around for a full boat, you redshirt him. I would do the same. Because it's a... It's a it, there, there will be... Okay, another point here. This football season coming up, you know, Iowa State's going to probably have a really good year. But let's not kid ourselves. There will always be a weird... I don't want to call it an asterisk, but I'm might as well. You're it's, right. It's, it's a weird... It's a, Cheapened, cheapened Watch. to a degree season. Clones are going to go like nine and one, which and, is, and then the Iowa fans are, oh, you didn't play us. And I'm not even worried about, th- I know them, but it's just always going to be like coming. this. Yeah, it's always going to be like this. Well, yeah, but yeah, but season, which is fine. It's better to have a yeah, but season than we didn't play. At least Iowa State's participating. I would agree. Speaking of that, the Big Ten had another fun. Uh, you got players suing the conference. You've got um, reports that they want to start in on Thanksgiving now, right? Uh, do you have any Do you have any opinions on all of this? I mean, just this. Uh, when does the circus music stop over there? Yeah, I, I keep thinking of the Benny Hill song. They, can't, they, can't, yeah. they just can't. And and listen, we got some. There's somebody on the Cyclonic forums. I don't think they were. Being critical, I think they were giving us feedback on our discussion last week. They totally misunderstood our talk. I don't, th- and I, th- I th- we've gotten a little carried away one direction here, and we're not trying to say that the Big Ten is making the wrong decision. Nobody can really know for sure, Chris, until probably years down the road, if playing was a good decision or a bad dis- decision, you know, from a holistic standpoint. Our point was the way that, uh, the Big Ten handled it uh, was less has been less than optimal and has not helped their cause. In fact, actually, it's actually helped the Big Twelve, SEC, and ACC's cause because it's been a distraction from what everybody else is doing. Yeah, 
No, I think that's well said. My my critique of them was never like, oh, you're not playing. Correct. That's yes. Same. The the, the critique was, boy, you're really, really, really terrible at communicating. I mean, this is all that's going on over there in Chicago in that office. It's like Kevin Kevin Warren's picking up the phone, <laughs> dialing up the Chancellor of Rutgers. What about November? Are we any better in November? Oh, oh, hold on. It's Jim Harbaugh. Okay, coach. Yeah, we'll talk to you later. Oh, Gene Smith wants to talk now. Meanwhile, the 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 folks on the motorcycles doing spinning circles say, hey, we're over here. Nebraska, we don't care. Go away. You were relevant in the 90s. And we have eight players suing you. <laughs> but we're in court. Hold on. We have an injunction. Gary Bart is on the line. I do have a question. Is Gary Barta still in the playoff committee? <laughs> he's the he president. Like, he he's like the main guy. Does he get to participate, though? Oh, I don't know. Listen, that and I, <laughs> we're being being serious here, though. That my critique was never, oh, they're not playing football. Yeah, I have no idea. Right. My critique is if you're not going to play, or if you are going to play, either way, you need to be able to communicate it to your. Uh, constituents in this point, which would be your your teams, your fans, your parents, whatever. They didn't do a good job. And, and you you know this. Um, the Big 12 was going to elect to not to play, right? It certainly that seemed that was way. pretty much yeah. almost made during that one weekend. But because the Big 10 had, you know, set ablaze the bridges to the rest of the conferences with their original announcement. Correct. It... it it they created of, this problem. They did. It was Kevin self- Warren and his lack of communication with the rest of the country created this. With the the league announce, league only announcement. Yes. If that doesn't happen, I think we have a different outcome, which is crazy totally to say. Totally agree with you. But it was that original decision that burnt all those bridges with the other Power Five conferences. Why it felt like everybody else was going rogue and on their own because they were at that point. Because he he kind of or whoever it was, whether it's the him or the the chancellors or the presidents, that little charade they put on in July just turned everybody off of like, well, then we're not going to listen to you anymore. And they didn't. <sighs> well, uh, so we'll see. They uh, allegedly are, uh, or reportedly are looking to play in November. And uh, you can watch Hawkeye football in the unit though. I year. thought Van Pelt, Scott Van Pelt, had a great little segment on why that won't work. If you can find it. I think it was Friday night. Well, I mean, can I just, I don't know what he said, but haven't we been told all summer that like flu season and like, that's why we need to get these kids out of college and Thanksgiving. Cause yeah. like all hell is going to break loose. And It wasn't even virus related. It was more <laughs> okay. like, how can you elect to like crown your own champion when you didn't want to participate in the original one? And uh, yeah, it was, it was more football related for Scott. But. It's like a JV season. It, I mean, yeah. I mean I, I'm not saying I won't watch. I will. Well, and but, so th- think but, about the timing. That's what Scott's point was: is like you're going to start this season in late November, right in the runoff, run up to the actual playoffs, and you're going to have this little side season that's going on. No one's going to pay attention to that. No, they're going to be watching the playoff, which will be going on at the yeah, same time. Yeah, because what you know, other than like fan passion, which will be real. Yeah. Like an Iowa fan will watch them play and sure. they'll, they'll be into it. But like, what are you playing for? A conference championship. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, but are they, yeah. they'll be in the middle of their regular season and the college world playoffs going on. It's just going to be like surreal world there. I'd rather watch Austin P and central Arkansas. <laughs> Go bears. Tigers. Bears. Bears. Yeah. I covered. Easy cover. <laughs> Never any doubt. All right, uh, guys, it's going to be a hell of a week. Um, oh, shoot. We forgot to tell you guys about it before the kickoff party on Wednesday night. Oh, I think people know, but now they should know. Yeah, the kickoff party on Wednesday night. This is going to be really cool. Uh, Maddie Van Winkle, you guys remember Maddie Van Winkle? 
uh, the former intern, now uh, media extraordinaire. He's got it. We're, we're, I did get Jay Jordan booked. He's cool. going to be joining us you on Wednesday night. We're awesome. going to have a handful of former Cyclones who are going to join us on any of your Cyclone Fanatic um, social media feeds. So Twitter, Facebook, uh, YouTube. We can't get on Instagram. They don't like the Instagram for some reason. But uh, we'll also put it on the front page of Cyclone Fanatic. And for an hour and a half, we'll be in-depth previewing the Iowa State football season. Man, it feels good to actually just talk football for a little bit. None of the other stuff. Man, I got interviewed. I was on with Holly Rowe. The I saw show. it. How'd that go? Really good. Um, her and her co-host. Um, was it Gabe Eichert? Yeah, yeah, Gabe. Yeah. Oklahoma guy. All we did was talk about football for a half yeah. hour. It was phenomenal. Like, they're asking how. And I got to, like, geek out on Xavier Hutchison. And, like, <laughs> oh, yeah, well, well, you know, Indy moved inside. And, like, it was, like, the stuff that, like, you're, you know, you get really passionate about and talking about that we haven't been able to do at all this offseason. I was looking at the week one schedule in the Big 12. And uh, I think there's a chance, and we'll know this week, I, I, I'm pretty confident Iowa State will definitely be on national television in some capacity in that first week. It may be the best game in the Big 12 that week because Louisiana is very talented. I was wondering if it wouldn't be like... Be Big Fox. The I'm only like, thing is like... Iowa I, State still doesn't quite have they'd the... They'd probably put like Texas and right. UAB yes. on the Big Fox. I agree. But like... This could totally be FS1 well, 230. Yeah, and Fox could have multiple windows. We yeah. don't know. I mean, so, but I think that's the thing is we'll find out this week, at least for the non-conference, I'm pretty sure, the one game, when time and, and TV will be. Because that uh, TV does a draft, which is kind of a cool process. It's basically like your fantasy football draft, where this year Fox gets the number one pick every week. It's their year in the contract. So Big Fox gets a pick. And then, like, ESPN ABC gets a pick. Then FS1 gets a pick. And they really just fantasy draft the thing. That happened Thursday, Friday last week. So they'll kind of put that all in the system. And I think we'll know, at least for week but one. the uh, only properties Fox has are the Big 12. Yeah, because the Big 10 is not playing. The Pac-12 is not playing. Yeah. So I, my, I, was so I don't know how it's like, – I don't know how the pick system Could they cut it. some deals to get more games? Probably would have to. I, 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 I don't know. And I don't know. I mean, that's the other thing is there's so much going on. Wednesday night might be really active as far as like reaction to news. To those things. I, I don't know, but I think that would that may be a midweek decision when you find out when that September 12th game time is. Which, you know, even if you're tailgating at home, it's nice to know when that is. So we'll, we'll find out. The home tailgates are going to be great this year. Oh, I think they're going to be some epic um, yeah. backyard. We're, we're going to do, we're going to give out awards for them with our friends at Iowa Port. Oh, need it. Because yeah. there's going to be, there's going to be some, uh, yeah, some really banged out tailgates this year. Bloom, thank you. Thank you as always. Appreciate you. Five, five, uh, five months and one week of this quarantine. Podcast. Wow. God, that's crazy. Uh, next um, Sunday night, I'll be down at the lake. So we may have to do Labor Day night. I'll be here. That'll be game day. We got a... Uh, game day week. Uh, oh, wait. I've got... You got coaches show. I've got the coaches show. We we do a show on Labor Day? Yep. The Matt Campbell... Maybe, maybe the, we have to miss a quarantine pod next week. We'll figure it out. We'll find a way to at least get something yeah, together. We'll, we'll get something out for the people. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. I'm serious. Keep us locked in. Uh, at Cyclone Fanatic, we'll we'll have everything covered. It's going to be a really busy week with newsy type stuff, so we'll, we'll take care of it for you. Appreciate you all listening. Thanks to our title sponsor, MacDyne, the MacDyne Corporation. Of course, the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast Network is, as always, fueled by Cody Road.